following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Big Steve, as much as I love this intro into the show that I made about three years ago. Troy has requested we play a song to kick off the show. So if you could, so if you if you could just cut it, I'm, I'm gonna play this specially requested song from Troy. Yeah. I think I know what this oh. is about. Oh, yeah. You're back, okay? It sounds like you're in some pain over there. <laughs> just sounded like James Brown. Oh. Uh. This is cool in the game, by the way. Dayton Moore is no longer with the Kansas City Royals. I knew it. That's what this was about. I, I saw his message earlier in our in our news chat, and I'm like, as soon as you said that and you played that, I'm like, I bet you that's what it is. Welcome to the game, Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale. Big Steve is running the show. Oh, baby. Come on now, you gotta get loose. <laughs> you kind of sound like Duff Man from The Simpsons. Probably, probably about That's right. That's actually pretty yeah. close. Probably about right. Got one brewski for Mr. Barney. I think there's no doubt that uh, Troy is the happiest person right now in the radio station. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt that either. And Mason said yesterday uh, in the 510 segment that uh, who's on his hot seat? Dayton Moore. Boy, did he nail that call. Little surprise press conference earlier today. John Sherman says uh, Dayton Moore is has been 86th. JJ Piccolo takes over baseball operations from here on out, and Mike Matheny is next on the hot seat. Well, no, he didn't say Mike Matheny no, was on the no. hot seat. But, I'm just uh, I, uh, my uh, in, yeah. inserting my read of the situation. Mike Matheny, Mister Anti-Analytical is on the hot seat. Now, let's be real. I mean, yeah, John Sherman, he may have stood in front of the uh, of the media and said what just went down, but we know who all did the work, who, who did the tough work, and who really wanted this to take place. Mason. No, my only owner, <laughs> Patrick yeah, Mahomes. Okay, he is the yeah. one that went right. to the group and was like, listen, guys, over here on the red, we're winning. Over here on the blue, we're losing, and we've been losing for a while. As a matter of fact, we have audio – of Patrick Mahomes going into Dayton Moore's office and telling him the famous words. Screw you! You're fired! Man, when Patrick Mahomes is really upset and wants to fire somebody, his voice completely changes. Are we sure that that's Mahomes and, and not Eric Stone Street, who's that also was, a co-owner? That was uh, that was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I have okay. confirmed that All through right. a source. That got was it. Patrick Mahomes. Let, let me play that for you again. He really got deep with the voice. Screw! You're fired! And with the screw you right at the beginning, I think he was saying that on behalf of uh, Kansas City Royals fans. I can really hear it. They haven't seen any success since 2015. Ladies and gentlemen, that is expressing it with meaning. All right, well, we do have a busy show. Coming up at 525, Ryan Aber, he's the Sooners beat writer for the Oklahoman. He will give us this week's preview of K-State's opponent, which is, of course, the Oklahoma Sooners in Norman on Saturday. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, will join us at 440. I'm looking at the calendar, guys. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. 
AEW Dynamite yeah. is tonight, and this might be their biggest show in the company's history. It is AEW Grand Slam from Arthur Ashe Stadium, Ooh. New York City, which is, of course, you know, that's right next to um, uh, City Field, where the Mets play, right there in Flushing. And uh, you, typically, tennis is played there, right? No, we got professional wrestling tonight. Five title matches. And to give you a little bit of a teaser on who just might show up at AEW Grand Slam tonight. All I know is this, Jimmy. Next Friday, August 29th at the Baton Rouge Exposition Center, I'm going to open a can of whoop-ass on Herculon, and I'm going to drive him back into whatever galaxy he came from. And that's a promise. Strong words from a strong man. I have a source that says that particular character might be coming to life tonight. And, you know, 22 years later. Oh, my. But uh, sounds like it's going to happen. All right. It's also Wednesday, and you know what that means. Derek Young from K-State Online, he's joining us via the Zoom for our weekly conversation about what's going on with the cast. Well, before we get there, D.Y., it's announced today Ted Lasso and AFC Richmond will be in FIFA 23. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, well, I wasn't going to get the game, but now I'm definitely inspired to get it this time around. Yeah, I, I used to have the EA Access with my Xbox, and now I, I canceled that because I have Game Pass. And the when the new FIFA comes out, I get the old one for free, like the previous year's FIFA. So I got to wait a year pretty much. I'm not going to pay for it, but I'm going to – yeah. I've never seen Ted Lasso. I, I I get I play FIFA anyway. Ted Lasso or no Ted Lasso. I've actually never seen the show. Are you a fan of it? Yes, big fan. Big fan. How many seasons are there? I think there's only been two. Correct. So Getting ready for the third. Have you watched it, Troy? Uh, no, I have not. What's it on? Apple TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's why I have not. I will get around to it someday, but I, these days I don't really have much time for a lot of new TV shows. Uh, because I'm the busiest ever with football, and K-State football is done with its non-conference play now, 2-1 after the 17-10. Very disappointing loss to Tulane. We, everybody, we've beat it to death by now. We know the issue uh, that is very crucial moving forward, and that's just Adrian Martinez has to start airing it out. Got to try to get the ball downfield on pass plays. 35 of his 41 completions are for 10 yards or less. Yes, that's been very well covered at this point. The, the question, though, to you, D.Y., is, of course, we got to wait and see what happens Saturday to give a guess or just basically give the uh, results of did we see improvement from Adrian Martinez? But what does your gut say? Does your gut say, yes, we are going to see a different Adrian Martinez in a K-State uniform, of course, in Norman? Probably. I mean, at this point, it's been it's out there that they had a very direct conversation about it, according to both Chris Kleiman and Adrian Martinez in a meeting that also involved offensive coordinator Colin Klein that, you know, you know, for one reason or another, the ball's not getting to open guys down the field and we got to let it rip. Got to push the ball, Um, take those chances, be aggressive, because right now the ball's just not getting there. It's not being attempted at all. It does seem like he's got some kind of block right now. You know, the, the throw that comes to my mind was uh, the throw to Cade Warner, and he was along the sideline of the opponent on that side of the field. 
It was a very quick drop back. Didn't get very far deep in the pocket or anything. Just like a quick, quick ball to the right. And Kate Warner didn't know the ball was coming to him. And the offensive line sure didn't think that it was a pass either by the way that they blocked. It, it was a lot of dysfunction. And Martinez actually had protection. To, it was probably a legal man downfield that could have been called, to be quite honest. But Martinez had protection, and he still aired it out like 30 yards out of bounds. It was just a weird play. It, it was just kind of an indication to me that the, for whatever reason, the game is really, really fast right now, and he's overwhelmed pretty significantly. And he's been told about it so much at this point that I do anticipate him taking those chances downfield um, in the upcoming game when they play Oklahoma and Norman on Saturday night. It just seems like a pretty, uh, seems like a problematic time to want to do that because of how talented Oklahoma is. Yeah, and I agree. I think we will see a different Adrian Martinez, more willing to go downfield, make a mistake or not make mistakes, but I don't think it's going to be the most successful day ever. It won't be a night and day difference, just in my opinion, but boy, it's got to really change if K-State wants to win some games in Big 12 play. You're more, way more observant than I am during games. From the wide receivers side of things, when they do get downfield, are they more often than not open and Adrian Martinez can throw to them or do they need to start stepping up as well and and putting more work into getting open you know everybody could probably do a better job they they're more open than what they've been than what's been indicated Martinez has missed them on a few occasions probably more more than a few especially on uh this past Saturday against Tulane I thought was the first real sign of him kind of shying away from open receivers at a pretty regular clip. I'm not sure it was as common against Missouri or South Dakota, but they also weren't calling the game aggressively. I thought they called the game a little bit more aggressively against uh, Tulane on Saturday. And I mean, Martinez just shied away from those chances that were afforded to him. Everyone's got to be a little bit better. To be quite honest, I thought the receivers, you know, getting open wise, and some of it might have been scheme. I I thought it was there on Saturday. What wasn't there was really their blocking. Um, and you could say that for everybody. And I don't know you've made those observations too, but that was pretty porous for from that group on Saturday. And it, it's human nature, and I get it. But once you know things started to not go their way, and and they realized that Adrian was struggling, and and the passes that he was, you know, kind of unleashing weren't very accurate you could definitely see the demeanor and the body language not necessarily reflect very positively on Kansas State, especially the wide receivers. Other than Cooper Beebe, who has been K-State's best offensive lineman? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just make a quick and easy answer. I think Hadley Panzer and Andrew Langay. Okay, yeah, one really young guy there at left tackle. Yeah, I I, I agree with one of the things you did write uh, – on K-State Online, I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but mentioning Andrew Leingang, you'd like to see him play more. Absolutely, I do agree with that. I haven't asked anybody this. I haven't even brought it up on the show yet. Um, This more points to third and fourth down, but first time Colin Klein as an offensive coordinator has faced true adversity. How would you feel about his play calling against Tulane? You know... I probably didn't have as much of a problem with it as other people did, and I know you see some of these plays just continue to be um, eliminated and defended well, and, and everyone's instinct is to call out the offensive coordinator. And he's probably he's definitely called better games. Don't get me wrong, 
But I just didn't think his play calling was probably one of the four or five issues with Saturday. I really didn't. There the, now, I thought he, the the shovel passes on more than one occasion. I think he got a little happy with those, and especially in some of the situations where he called it. And and I think there are times in third and long where, or second and long where they 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 get a little conservative there as well. Where I think you still need to take chances, but maybe when your quarterback is struggling as much as he is, it's hard to want to take chances in those situations. So a lot of it, I understand what he doesn't, but yeah, I play calling to me is not an overwhelming issue right now. Um, it it's hard to call plays when your guys are either not getting open when they are, your quarterback's not seeing it, not throwing it. Um, and then when quarterback is making the wrong decisions on the reads as well, and when your running back's not making the appropriate cut, and when your offensive line and your tight ends aren't blocking. I mean, to be honest, Colin Klein had probably one of the toughest jobs in America on Saturday with the ineffectiveness and the lack of execution from nearly everybody at one point or another. Um, there's not, you know, you go back and watch it and, and unfortunately I've watched it about three different times now and you go back and watch it and there's probably a play and there's certainly a play where someone, each of those players just screwed up, you know, monumentally and they just didn't have it Saturday for one reason or another. The tight ends really didn't have it. And that was disappointing to see. Yeah, I Again, do I pretty much agree with everything you just said? My quick response is, I guess I, I agree with Colin Klein's play calling. I didn't really have an issue with it. The only issues I did have, I guess, yes, a second shovel pass and um, just anytime it's a fourth and one and you're going for it and you're in shotgun, I've never been a fan of that. K-State fans were really upset when Courtney Messingham would, would do that, especially when it wasn't working late in the season. Wildcat would do that. I get that, but I'll be honest. Th- there's been studies done on that before, and I think – you know, at the end of the day, go under center. I don't have a problem with that thinking, but that's not even close to being the problem right now. If you look at those third and ones and fourth and ones, when you go shotgun as opposed to under center, the the percentage increase of you of you succeeding only goes up like a couple percentage points when you're uh, under center. It's not really that drastic. And I think a couple, and I think people are a little embellishing it a little bit too. Because some of those third and ones and fourth and ones, they were long ones to the point where the quarterback sneak, it was the distance was too much for a quarterback sneak to to actually be successful. We're speaking with Derek Young from Case Airline. Follow him on Twitter at DYoungKSO. We have him for another segment. When we come back, do you have a question about the running backs? Plus, a uh, linebacker has officially left the team. Plus, we'll uh, touch on a few things with the K State basketball team. Up next with DY. Oh man, this music when it hits at Arthur Ashe Stadium tonight, gonna get a humongous pop. The game continues. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, Big Steve was with us as well. And we're joined once again by K State Online's Derek Young. Follow him on Twitter at DYoungKSO and uh, head over to K State Online and uh, get your subscription. Keep up with the premium content of what's going on with K-State Athletics. Uh, I wanted to bring up the running backs. Deuce Vaughn, of course, 
is the man. He's hashtag my boy. He's leading the Big 12 right now with 117 yards per carry. Uh, had to leave a little bit in the second half due to cramps. He told the media that he was listening to, or, to yours truly to know what was going on with the game. And Deuce, let me just say it was a pleasure. Um, hope I kept you informed. Uh, no fake news there. I promise you that. Um, but DJ Giddens is right now six in the Big 12 in yards per carry, 7.8 yards per carry. In 17 attempts, he's over 130 yards. Uh, do you want you think Giddens should get a couple more carries per game? He's a tough, he's, he's a powerful ta- uh, ball carrier. He's a tough guy to tackle. He is. Um, and, and he's made a living off of taking advantage of the opportunity in front of him and and has been putting in he has been put been put in advantageous spots by the coaching staff. So a credit to them for his usage up till now. Um, I would be curious how he would do in, in other situations because like I said, they are putting him in golden opportunities so that he can be successful. So we'll see how they slowly expand those rules to challenge him a little bit more to see what else that he can do Um, because everything is pretty simplified in what he's being asked to do at the moment. Uh, And he's still making mistakes here and there. Some of the short yard situations uh, he converted, you know, I think two of the three that they had um, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, but he also could have had a couple others if he would have just taken the necessary lane that was in front of him too, where, where it was probably designed to go anyway. So his vision still a work in progress, but he's, powerful and explosive and he can certainly get downhill he's that type of runner so i wouldn't mind him actually kind of being the finisher you know you still you're going to get your your dose of deuce vaughn and he's going to get you know plenty of his touches and hopefully he can avoid the cramps moving forward but at the end of the game when you're trying to salt one away perhaps that sounds like maybe the best uh situation for him because he's a little bit more of a bruiser and it's a little bit harder to, to have the desire to want to get in front of him. On the defensive side of the football, we learned uh, that Sean Robinson, he's left the program for personal reasons. We never got to saw him play. He was the one that played QB at TCU and then moved to uh, Missouri. That's where he started playing some defense, and now he was supposed to help out with that Sam linebacker position. We never got to see him in a Wildcat uniform, but is this one that you know we probably won't miss too much off the potential because, well, Desmond Purnell, for one, has uh, stepped up and, and helped out as a backup in that role. Yeah, I think it's some of that is because Khalid Duke has seemed a little bit healthier than we thought. Um, probably is providing more than we anticipated him being able to provide, at least me. I had my doubts when he missed essentially all of fall camp. And then Desmond Purnell's been a pretty quality reserve up until this point. But it's also a situation where, you, and I know he was with the team during spring ball and then the summer and then through preseason practice, but you also can't miss what you didn't have. Sean Robinson just never played a game. Speaking with Derek Young from Case in a Line on Twitter at DYoungKSO. Um, so Daniel Green, man, has just been awesome. Absolutely awesome through three games. Uh, had an interception and plus four kind of forced the second interception in the game against Tulane. So he's been awesome. We knew what we were getting. He's been crazy good the last couple of years. Has it surprised you to see that Austin Moore is having such a great season so far as that starting 
uh, weak side linebacker, and we and we still don't have any Will Honus. Yeah, I mean, Dino Green's met expectations, certainly. He's had a no- nose for the ball this year, which is a little bit surprising to see already two interceptions through three games. He ate the one against Missouri and then was just, in, you know, read the quarterback beautifully against Tulane and, and got a second grab. And, man, if if he had a little bit of that NFL speed, and, and maybe he has a touchdown, but he got tracked down. And uh, I don't know if they even got points out of that, the way the offense was going on the day. Austin Moore... You know, they've they've really liked him for a while. Going back to where I think the first time his name was mentioned was at the Liberty Bowl um, at practices after when we met with defensive coordinator Scotty Hazleton at the time, and he mentioned Austin Moore and how far he was coming along and how he had a chance to dent the depth chart at some point in his career, and it's kind of continued since then. And we had Coach Steve Stanner telling us, I remember it being the press conference that was in the Shamrock Zone when they first unveiled the Shamrock Zone. It was over a year ago. I think it was preseason practice 2021, um, how they called him the machine just because he was so robotic, robotic-like, right, and always knowing where to be and when. Um, didn't have to tell him anything twice. He just he, he goes where he's supposed to go. He doesn't make mistakes, doesn't take false steps. He's there. He's where he needs it. So, in a way, it's a little bit surprising because I think we we're all holding our breath that he would hold up a little bit just because we hadn't seen much of him. And there is the stigma of being a former walk-on. But if you listen to the coaches, like I just shared a couple examples from years previous to now, they certainly thought he was capable of this. Yeah, absolutely. Leading the team in tackles and tackles for loss. I felt like there for a while against Tulane as every series I was mentioning his name, making a play as that team forced uh, seven punts against uh, the Tulane Green Wave. All right, let's jump to basketball. i got a couple of questions. As, I mean, practice, believe it or not, is starting pretty soon. It's like the it's the first uh, – is it the first Tuesday of October? Is that I it? actually don't know the date. I was trying to figure that out myself. I believe last year the first one was October 15th, but it sounds like it's going to be a little earlier than that this year. Yeah, I, I thought I had seen it was the first week of October, but I couldn't remember which day. Anyway, um does it look like everything's good to go other than I do believe Desi Sills still isn't on campus yet, right? Yeah, no, still no Desi Sills, but other than that, everything is good to go as far as what I have been told and what I have heard. And on the Desi Sills front, I suspect that we'll get an answer on that one way or another the first week of October when if he'll if he's going to be able to make that move from Arkansas State to Kansas State, uh, he'll know by then. At least that's what – how it's been explained to me is he's kind of doing some additional coursework still so that I believe just so he can graduate, I think, and and be immediately eligible. I think that's um, the situation with him. But according to his Instagram story over the weekend where, you know, he he had been kind of quiet on the Kansas State front the last few months and put out, you know, something said email. So I guess he's encouraged by the progress, at least up to this point. Well, if you've been keeping up with K-State Online and their coverage of basketball recruiting, you may have seen this name once or twice. That's Michaela Rich, who's from St. Louis. He's a three-star 6'7 forward, and he's supposed to be making his college choice on September 26th, which is this Monday. So, D.Y., get your expert analysis here on the chances of it being K-State. I think they're pretty high. I really like what Kansas State has done in his recruitment, and remember, he – Missouri, Ole Miss, and Illinois, Chicago are the other three contenders, and I think Missouri and Ole Miss have received serious consideration. He actually viewed Missouri as his dream offer at one point, and 
and Dennis Gates and company, they love him just as much as Jerome Tang and company. And just as much as, is it still Kermit Davis? I think the coach at Ole Miss, if I'm, I, I believe so. He's probably on the hot seat. So that probably makes that one a little bit more tenuous, but uh, all three absolutely love Michaela Rich. The way it's been explained to me is that when he visits the campus of those schools and those coaches get to know him even more. They fall in love with him even more and think even more of him as a prospect and, and even more about his upside. So uh, he certainly makes a positive impression when he's in the presence of these coaches as well. Um, Missouri's tried hard, and he was that was his dream offer. But from everything that I've gathered, it certainly the all signs point to Kansas State at this point, and they're going to overcome that and perhaps defeat Missouri for another recruit. Yeah, former SEC Coach of the Year Kermit uh, Davis. Davis is still the head coach at Ole Miss. And I'll be honest with you, he looks like a Kermit. He really does. <laughs> uh, D.Y., that's all I got for you this week. Uh, go ahead and plug what's going on with Case Online and how we can get signed up. Yeah, just uh, you know, go to k-stateonline.com, and we still have the dollar for the what year deal, deal going. Um, oh, my God. That's a gift that yeah, keeps on giving. Yeah, it's a gift to keep on giving, so go ahead. And a lot of people have gotten onto it already. Hopefully we got a lot more coming, and uh, we'll have a lot of recruiting coverage. We'll have full coverage of the Oklahoma game and certainly probably some basketball content just right around the corner and everything that you'll need to know about Michaela Rich's decision, which comes, as you said, on Monday after probably afternoon. I guess we don't know what time. Better return on investment than putting that dollar into, uh, into the uh, sports gambling. Uh, depends how good a gambling you are. <laughs> better opportunity, better return on investment. Just my, just my thought. Well, <laughs> Dy, uh, well, your trip down to Norman has been cut by two hours since you're now in uh, living in Manhattan. So safe travels to uh, Norman, Oklahoma, for the game on Saturday, and we'll talk to you next week. I appreciate it. Derek Young from KSL Online. Excuse me. We'll actually talk this Saturday on Power Tag Game yeah, Day, huh? three o'clock, right here on K-Man, also our sister station. 101.5 K-Rock, Sooners and Cats kickoff from Gaylord Family, Oklahoma Memorial Stadium at 7. All right, when we come back, we now, since we're in the regular season, talk every two weeks with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis. He joins us next. The Kansas City Chiefs 2-0 to start the 2022 season, beating the Cardinals on the road 44-21. And then this past Thursday, a winner at home against the Chargers 27-24. We are now pleased to be joined by the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, here on the game. Actually, before we get to those games, Mitch, I was told by somebody that I've been living under a rock because I did not have a subscription to Amazon Prime before this football season. Did you have a subscription to Amazon Prime before Thursday Night Football made its move. I did, and I didn't get a chance to use it because I didn't get to watch the game. So, well, I watched the game. I just didn't watch it on Amazon Prime. So, yeah, even my 90-year-old dad in Smith Center was ready to go with Amazon Prime. He was all fired up about it. So, it's what we got, man. So, do you actually do some shopping on Amazon? No. Uh, I don't, but that doesn't preclude me from getting Amazon Prime to watch Thursday Night Football, which I, that was the whole reason I think that, uh, Amazon did it. It was funny though, the, uh, a lot of fans were upset, you know, the, the field was painted in a replica of the opening game at Arrowhead in 1972. It's the 50th year of GEHA field at Arrowhead Stadium. They thought the old 72 Arrowhead logo was an Amazon logo. <laughs> 
There were so many people, <laughs> thousands of people were like, oh, it's just wrong. That's just wrong. No, it's not the Amazon logo here. Go back, try to Google uh, the 1972 opening game field, and you'll see what was uh, what was there. So anyway, that was kind of funny. We're failing in teaching history, aren't we? We are. Uh, <laughs> and we just ignore the history we don't want to accept. So, right. yeah, that's, it's a big problem among many in our society. See, I thought people just thought, like, the painter quit halfway through and just <laughs> gave up or something. I, I, yeah, there was a well, weird reaction to that's it. That's another problem. You can't find good help, and then they just quit and walk home. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that could have been a theory, too. Well, game one against the Cardinals, uh, Patrick Mahomes completes 30 of 39, 360 and five touchdowns. I mean, he was just not perfect, but near perfect in game one, wasn't he? Yeah, he's the number one rated quarterback right now in the National Football League. No quarterback in the NFL history in the 103 years of history has been a better September quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. He's just been incredible. And that game, he it's kind of what we alluded to in our discussion during training camp and really during the summer that this team is just so incredibly prepared to be 18-3 and three in September games. And the fact that Mahomes in September – in openers, there's like 18 touchdowns over no picks. It's just, it's crazy how awesome this team was ready to go and how much that Patrick Mahomes performed and why the Cardinals blitz 54% of the time. I'll never know that that's fine. Um, Mahomes loves it when you blitz him. He also loves it now because he's working hard to love it when you're not blitzing him, which he did pretty well against the Chargers. So this is, Mahomes just is on fire. He's smoking hot. And now against the Chargers, I mean, clearly the, the play of the game, Jalen Watson with that pick six for 99 yards. I didn't get to watch the game uh, either, actually, from watching on Amazon Prime. I, I listened to your call because I was in the office working on PowerCat game day. I was typing away. And I'm like, I'm listening. I'm like, well, the Chargers are about to score. Justin Herbert's going to punch one in somehow. And all of a sudden, Jalen Watson to the house on a pick six. I'm sure you could hear the eruption from Arrowhead Stadium from miles away, but I, I guess a play like that for a rookie, his debut at Arrowhead, it, it, it's got to be sweeter, right, because of just where he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, no question. And really one of the great stories among many great stories of this rookie class. Now, folks that were at the game, I don't know if you talked to anybody that went, they thought it might be the loudest Arrowhead has ever been at that point. And they were kind of hoping that Harry Potter was back with his gizmo to um, record the sound because they think they would have broken the 142.2 uh, Guinness Book of World Records set in 2014. But the story of Watson, which I had time with him running 99 yards, I'm basically giving you his bio as he's running back this kick. You know, I said seventh-round draft pick, cooking hamburgers three years ago in Augusta, Georgia. Goes to JUCO at Ventura Junior College and, you know, into the, I didn't say sweet nectar, I wish I would have, but gets one of the greatest defensive plays in Chiefs history and for sure one of the top two defensive plays the other scoop and score by Arizona to beat the Raiders with an improbable big time play but he's a very mature kid it's not been easy for him obviously by his but he stuck it out Washington State gave him a chance it's very much a story that we've seen over and over with K-State players Jalen Watson would fit right in with some of the K-State success stories in the NFL seemingly coming from nowhere. 
How good is George? Speaking of another uh, rookie, George Karloftis. How have you? What have you liked about him in the first couple of games? Well, he just has the chance to be a real pro. And when I say that, he is. He, he again is in that role of being very emotionally, mentally mature. That means he works. He looks for weaknesses in opponents that you usually don't see in players for maybe the second, maybe the third year. So he works at his game, knowing he's not Von Miller uh, as far as an athletic talent, but he's also not, you know, some scrub. He's got talent, but he knows he's got to live off his motor and intelligence and effort uh, and savvy. And I'm seeing all that in him. He's He'll be a tense, not this year, but he's going to be a five to seven sack guy. The cool thing about that game was the Chiefs got most of their pressures with four. They didn't have to blitz Justin Herbert. They hit him eight times, Mitch, and five different guys hit him from the defensive front. Mike Dana hurt him. Chris Jones hit him twice. Chris Jones was the highest rated interior defender. I'm sorry, Aaron Donald was ahead of him. Aaron Donald was one. Uh, Chris Jones was two among interior defenders in pro football focus grades in week two. But Chris Jones hit him twice. Carl Loftus hit him, almost got a safety on Herbert. Turk Wharton hit him, and Carlos Dunlap hit him, and Frank Clark hit him. So you got different guys getting pressures on a, on a top quarterback, and it wasn't sending blitzes. There were some blitzes, but again, the Chiefs didn't overdo it, which many cases they had to the last couple of years to get any pressure on a quarterback. Apologies, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Mitch, but you know, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, got to be the top of that pecking order right now when it comes to quarterbacks out of the AFC, but how close to that top three, top four is Justin Herbert? Where would you put him? Right there. No, he's right there. He's he's just right there. I mean, Allen and, and Mahomes are you know, straight across. Mahomes has the better of Allen in, in the playoffs, obviously. Allen dominated the game last year in October here at GHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium, but Herbert's not far behind. Uh, size, uh, athletic ability, but here's the difference, though. He is 16 and 18 as a starting quarterback. Mahomes is the most successful quarterback after 65 starts in National Football League history. He is, what is he, uh, 53 and 12 or 52 and 13? He's 52 and 13, and Herbert is 16 and 18. So, I mean, do the math. And, and Mahomes is number one after 65 starts in NFL history. Brady, all of them. Montana in passing yards, touchdown to interception ratio, quarterback rating, completion percentage. The only one he does not have is touchdown passes. And here's what's fun about this week. He is one behind Dan Marino, first 65 starts in NFL history on touchdown passes, one behind. Mahomes has 158. Marino had 159. In Marino's 66th game, he got one touchdown. So if Mahomes gets two TD passes at Lucas Oil Stadium on Sunday, he will tie Marino for that record, and three puts him ahead of him. And that means Mahomes would have every passing stat after 66 starts, uh, number one in NFL history in every stat. (laughs) I just think that's underrated. I'm not sure national is getting enough attention. Speaking with the voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtz, I want to keep the quarterback conversation going because not this next game, but the week after, it'll be you know after the next two games is the next time we'll talk to you. But on the schedule is a road trip to Tampa Bay. 
Do you think this could potentially be the last time you call a game that has an opposing quarterback by the name of Tom Brady? You could have asked me that in 2014, Mitch. <laughs> that Monday night game where uh, the Chiefs obliterated, and that was the night Harry Potter did bring his gizmo machine, and it was 142.2. That was the night. That was 2014. We're sitting here in 2022, and you're asking me that question again. No. I mean, I don't know how long I'll last. Brady may outlast me. So, no, heck no. He'll probably be around in 2027. With Botox and everything else, he's probably you know, going to be spring chicken. Who knows? He just looks weird. Like, what happened to you, dude? You look like, you know, too much Botox. If you believe the rumors, he may not have a wife at that time, but that's another matter altogether. I'm going to stay away from that one. Yeah, good idea. That, that might have been what Marcus Lattimore said, you know. I'm going to stay away from that one. You can do that one covered now. <laughs> well, up next uh, on the uh, schedule for the Chiefs is this Sunday – it's going to be a trip to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Um, when you think about this matchup, what are some keys? Oh, I don't know. Does Tulane sound familiar here? <laughs> you do not, do not, do not, do not overlook this game. Um, you know, I like to study military history, and you have to be careful tying in football to military history. However, from a strategic standpoint, many times the parallels are real. And in military history, there is no more dangerous opponent than a desperate foe who's on their home turf and digging in. And that's what the Chiefs face this week. The Colts are desperate. Uh, not only 0-1-1 to start this year in games they think they should have won against the Jags and Texans, but it really wraps around to last year when they lost the last two games of last year, including a Week 18 loss to the Jags that knocked the Colts out of the playoffs. Why should it wrap around? Shouldn't even I mean that's not even fair. Well, because now the grousing about Frank Reich and former Chiefs assistant general manager, Colts general manager Chris Ballard is starting to reach a fever pitch. And with that owner, who knows? I mean, he's we've seen him with a hair trigger before. But they will be the Colts will be in full Alamo mode. Now, let's be honest, they get shut out by the Texas last uh, sorry. Uh, they set up by the Jags last week, 24-0, but the Colts did not have Michael Pittman Jr., who is the, by far their best receiver, and they didn't have the artist formerly known as Darius Leonard, now Shaquille Leonard, as of July 22nd when he announced to everybody, I'm going to use my middle name now, and he's a tackle machine. But you can't take, and then they didn't have their second-round pick out of Cincinnati, Alec Pierce. I mean, you, you were just missing a lot of studs in that game. They should have them all back, playing at home, and desperate to win. The Chiefs are facing a rock fight on Sunday. Well, before I let you go, we haven't been able to really talk any K-State football the last few weeks. So, uh, of course, you know it was a letdown game. It turned to be a letdown game against Tulane. Um, but I'm sure you have kind of the same synopsis as we all do. Just got to get Adrian Martinez to throw the football down the field, be aggressive. Okay, let's talk here real quick. Okay. Now, I love the Missouri game, obviously, and the Tulane game. It didn't stun me. The transfer portal is doing weird things throughout college football. It affects the quarterback game. I'm also a Northwestern fan, and uh, Coach Fitzgerald cannot get a quarterback to be there over two years to save his life. It's almost like the Colts right now. The Colts, the Indianapolis Colts, although they don't have to worry about the transfer portal, have had six starting quarterbacks in week one in six years. 
that basically doesn't work. Okay, so the transfer portal we know has affected the quarterback position more than any other in college football. If you get a quarterback to hang around, Jalen Daniels at Kansas, Skyler Thompson at K-State the last six years, you're way ahead of the game. But Mitch and Troy, here's the other part of the transfer portal that affects the game like Tulane, Kansas State. It actually helps a team like Tulane because you have no idea who's getting off that plane. Look at Tulane's defensive front in that game. I mean, these dudes are coming from wherever. They'll come from SEC schools. Or that Wasn't that the guy at Florida or Mississippi State? Yeah, now he's at Tulane. Because quarterback is their defensive linemen just want to get on tape. They just want to get on video. So if I get to go to Tulane and get 50 snaps a game so I can get drafted, I'm going to Tulane. It don't matter. At the same thing, so again, Northwestern fan, this is also affecting these FCS upset wins over other. Everybody's like, Appy State, they beat Texas A&M and dominated them. Well, watch the game. It wasn't that big a difference in uh, talent because you get these dudes just going everywhere. You, you don't have any idea who's getting off the bus for these schools. Southern Illinois dominated Northwestern on Saturday because these guys go to the, go to the FCS schools, too, dropping down. Mm-hmm. So the quarterback position is negatively affected uh, at the power fives by the transfer portal because these quarterbacks just keep switching. However, outside of the power five, the uh, transfer portal is actually helping schools like Tulane who are getting dudes they wouldn't have got any other way who aren't not going to set behind some cat and it's from the SEC school, and I'm going to go to Tulane and play. Well, that's mm-hmm. who's showing up and dominating the line of scrimmage. I'm giving you a long answer, but it, I, I wasn't stunned by it because I saw what Tulane was getting off the bus. Well, I was stunned by 10 points. Scoring the same amount as UMass, and K-State should be extremely better than UMass, uh, but I, I hear your point. I mean, Tulane using the transfer portal. Willie Fritz did a great job coaching that game, and it, it, yeah, definitely playmakers on the defensive side of the football was making a difference for Tulane. But uh, uh, Mitch, we're coming up at the top of the hour, so we got to bounce, but uh, thanks for coming on, and we'll be talking to you in a couple of weeks. All right, you know you, and I'll go for this rock fight because it's the Alamo. Yeah, it's the Chiefs and Colts Sunday at noon right here on K-Man. Thanks, Mitch. Voice of the Chiefs, Mitch Holtis, here on the game. Coming up in hour number two, I'm going to give Troy the floor here because I think he deserves a few minutes to speak his mind about his happiness of what happened earlier today. The Royals have let go Dayton Moore. Still to come also an hour two at 525, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman is going to give us A little bit of an insight of what to expect against the Oklahoma Sooners. Your local news is up next.